What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson. A lot of college football talk, a lot of NFL talk this week. Don't want to beat around the bush. Uh, so without further ado, welcome to my sports house. Open up the champagne, pop it. It's my house, come on, turn it up. Uh. Hear a knock on the door and the night begins. Cause we've done this before, so you come on in. Make yourself at my home, tell me where you've been. Pour yourself something cold, baby, cheers to this. Sometimes you gotta stay in, and you know where I live. Yeah, you know what we is. Sometimes you gotta stay in, in. Welcome to my First things first, since we record this podcast from the state of South Carolina, definitely want to hit on the local teams. We're going to start off with the Gamecocks versus the Wildcats, South Carolina Gamecocks versus the Kentucky Wildcats, depending on where you're listening to this. SEC East matchup, Kentucky game into this game undefeated. Carolina was 2-1, and one, and Kentucky got the win with the final score of 16-10, coming to Williams-Bryson and getting a win, which is big for that program as they continue to try to build themselves up. The moral of this game really was that the South Carolina's defense was able to get three turnovers, which is major. Most of the time you get three turnovers in a game, then you, for the most part, usually win that game. But the Carolina offense just was not able to really get any points off of these turnovers and wasn't really able to capitalize off of really good field position. The Kentucky quarterback didn't do anything too special. In my opinion, for what I saw, he was just able, the running back, who was Chris Rodriguez, was able to run, make some really tough runs and just kind of run between the tackles and just get the tough yards. He had 26 carries for 144 yards, so he averaged 5.5 yards per carry, which is major in a, in a kind of physical ball game. But none of their receivers did anything too crazy. Robinson had seven catches for 65 yards. And, yeah, it was just the fact that the Carolina's offensive production just wasn't there. Luke Dottie went 17. And from an attempt, like a completion standpoint, it doesn't sound bad. 17 for 25 for 158 yards, which y'all know how I say. I say if you're a quarterback through for 200 yards, you have a 100-yard receiver and 100-yard rusher, usually you're going to win that game. And definitely if the quarterback threw for 300, he just unfortunately only threw for 158 yards. Now for the running, for the Carolina running back room, it's kind of a disappointing matchup. And maybe this is just because they didn't get the push they needed from the offensive line. But Kevin Harris, who was like the leading rusher from the in the SEC last season, had 12 carries for 38 yards. Uh, and so for that average, just 3.2 yards per carry. Then you had Juju McDowell, who I think they have got to get the ball to more. Maybe not just running the ball, maybe getting him some screens and stuff, because he's a really explosive freshman out of the state of Georgia. He had five carries for 13 yards. And Marshawn Lloyd, which is the highly touted running back, had one carry for three yards. So... Like I said, I don't know if it was the push for the offensive line, but they just was not able to get those running backs going. And Carolina was supposed to have that three-headed attack at running back, so that's been quite disappointing. Also would love to see the tight uh, the tight ends get involved a little bit more. Nick Muse, who started his Carolina career kind of like as like a, one of the premier uh, targets, had one catch for 25 yards. Jalen Brooks had four catches for 63 yards. But um, like I said, so just Carolina's got to be able to capitalize on turnovers, got to be able to capitalize off a good field position and uh, give yourself a fighter's chance. Now, but like I said, I do want to mention the South Carolina defense, who I think played a decent, a pretty decent ball game. Jalen Foster, and then he caught another interception in this game. So that gives him four for the year. And I 
I'm pretty sure that leads the SEC and the country uh, as far as um, interceptions from uh, an individual player. So that's major news for him. Did a little bit of research on him. He went to Burns High School. He played receiver there. So catching the ball out the air kind of comes natural. If you can expect, if you can play receiver at Burns and be a standout, you're probably a pretty good pass catcher. I thought that Jabari Ellis had a really good game. He was able to get into the backfield a lot and cause some disruption there. And so be it his own version, I'm, I'm not going to try to compare him to Ken Law, but like be his own version of disruption up through that middle, which I think is very important, and especially in a dominant and a dominant, a trench dominated conference like the SEC. You kind of need that. I thought that Jab I thought that Damani Staley, Damani Staley has really stepped up at linebacker. He went to Ridgeview High School and he's been out there replacing Sherrod Green, who got hurt earlier in the season. So I think he's done a great job. It seems like he was around or on every single tackle, which is super important to, you know, help the lead defense. But, yeah, so South Carolina next week has Troy. So hopefully they can get things back in order there. Maybe he's try some new things on offense. Maybe just keep going and feel like they believe in the scheme and just say that it needs more um, repetition or what have you. But they should be able to get back into gear against Troy next week. And when you look at the Gamecock schedule, you got Tennessee, okay, you got Troy, then you got Tennessee, and then you got Vanderbilt. You should be able to win two of those games, really three, but you never really know how Tennessee's gonna be. And the fact that you had to go to Tennessee, Rocky Top, it, it could be a, a, some sort of environment that could cause the Gamecock some problems. But after there, you might not win another game because you got AM, you got Florida, you got Missouri, you got Auburn, and then you got Clemson. So we'll see what happens with the Gamecocks. But uh, like I said, a little bit disappointing. It seems like there was a kind of buzz going around Columbia. Like, okay, we got an SEC matchup. Kentucky is kind of on our level. And Kentucky happened to stay undefeated after this ball game. So plenty to look forward to in the future coming years. It's kind of like a – I'm not going to say it's a rebuilding, but this is like a, a, a change of culture of a program. And we all know that takes some time. Now we have to go to the Clemson Tigers who had a matchup against the North Carolina State Wolfpack in Raleigh, North Carolina, which I don't know if you all know, but that is Raleigh, North Carolina is the capital. Did not know that in North Carolina. I always thought, for some reason, I, I don't, I ain't gonna say I knew it was, I just thought it was Charlotte, but it just seemed like everything happens there in Charlotte, but that's neither here nor there. The Clemson Tigers did in fact take the loss. They are now ranked, I think, number 25 in the country which is unknown for Clemson fans of right now. Like that takes you back to like 2010 Clemson. Seems like since then they've always been in the tops. Ever since the Taj Boyd era really got going, they've always been in the top 15-ish. So this this takes you back to Clemson back in the day, like when I was in elementary school wearing the Tiger Paws or whatnot, uh, you know, wearing the, the Clemson jersey in down, right in downtown Columbia. But anyway, Clemson lost the final score of 27 to 21. DJ Uyunglele, man, oh man, it's been tough for him. It has been tough for him. He is, he went 12 for 26 for 111 yards and two touchdowns, one interception. It's just tough because he has so much hype coming into this season. And I'm, I'm going to go off on a little rant here. Clemson fans have gotten used to Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, Taj Boyd even. They're not used to like the, the quarterback position being the problem here. And, and this is an ACC play, too. So one could say, okay, if Deshaun struggles against Alabama, it's like, all right, whatever. And I do think people didn't forget, like, Deshaun, his senior year had a lot of interceptions, but it just seemed, it seemed like he kind of got it rolling and everything else kind of worked from there. And they ended up winning national championship that year. But DJ just hasn't been able to get it done. 
And you know how we are. We're in this culture where everybody has like, you know, the different talk shows and stuff. So, and, and in the Twitter and Twitter gives fans access to you. So they are kind of wailing on him right now. And you're, you're getting to see kind of what it's like to be the quarterback at a top tier program. You go from being the most loved and everybody's putting you in the Heisman race. You got all the commercials to the most hated. Who else do we have? Let's get somebody else in there. And you really get to see how guys kind of respond to adversity. That's kind of the whole thing about the quarterback position. Will Shipley, the running back, he had 11 carries for 36 yards, but he ended up getting hurt. Dabble Sweeney just came out and said he's expected to miss three to four weeks. They're one of their best defensive tackles. Brian Brees, who's one of the top guys coming out of the country when he came out of high school, is done for the season. So in Tiger Town, when it rains, it pours. And on top of that, as soon as I dropped last week's episode, Lynn J. Dixon, the guy that I told you about at the beginning of the season, who was supposed to be the starter and I was expecting to go pro after this season, has decided to transfer. So now you got, luckily, Clemson recruits very well for at the running back position. And I'm not going to sit, there's a, there's a way to say this. At the running back position, besides pass protection, you kind of, it's a, it's a little bit of an easier transition as far as running the ball. Because, like, if you can make a jump cut in high school, you can make that same jump cut in college. It just so happens, can you do pass protection? And then, like, can you understand, like, the plays and the scheme and stuff like that? But it, the position usually translates pretty easily uh, to college football besides the majority of it being that pass protection piece. But now they're going to really have to depend on Kobe Pryor and – Darian Rencher and guys like that, just off the fact that, like I said, Lin J is entered the transfer portal. And apparently the reason came out to why this is, is like I had been saying, CJ Spiller, he's been in CJ Spiller's doghouse. They didn't feel like he prepared as well in preseason camp. And then these other guys came in ready to play. So they kind of, uh, for a lack of better use of words, it's like, okay, you're going to have to watch. I, that's not the lack of better use of words. I changed it before I was about to say it because don't know how who's going to be listening to this in a couple of years. I can't be going out sad like that. Justin Ross had a big day and eight catches, 77 yards. That's not the big day. The big day was the two touchdown passes. Although at the end of the game, it was very weird that it was like a fade route, which was on fourth down. And it seemed like him and DJ, I thought the DJ had thrown a good pass, but it seemed like, I don't know if Justin got lost in the lights of the stadium or he couldn't see it, but it seemed like the pass was like on par to be a fade ball and he just couldn't come up with it. So NC State got the win in overtime and the game really could have been finished in regulation, but the NC State kicker missed a field goal. But that's a big win for NC State in that program to be able to beat Clemson. Clemson has gone from being... And then we're going to have to talk about the, the, the thing at the end of the game where the guys spit, whatever, whatever. But anyway, Clemson has gone from being a, almost a shoe-in for the college football playoff to this year. We're just wondering they're going to make it to the ACC championship game in Charlotte, which used to be a shoe-in. Like, I used to buy the tickets for the ACC championship game, before, like, at the early, at the beginning of the season before they even announced that Clemson was going to be there because clearly you had to let it play out. Because, like, we know Clemson's representing the Atlantic. That is not a guarantee for this season. I wonder what practice is like this week uh, and what Dabble Swing is like in general because Clemson's been the hunted for so long. Now they're back to being the hunters. And they're having to create their own momentum. Like, it's not like as their season flows, maybe you have a bad first week against Georgia. It's like, nah, NC State kind of causes you not the exact same problems, but similar. And you, and you lose this one as well. So that's major, but definitely got to give NC State their credit. Their quarterback, Devin Larry. 32 for 44 for 238 yards and four touchdowns. Amika Emizik, uh, Amika, number 86, had 14 catches for 116 yards. 
uh, 8.3 yards per carry, I mean, per, per catch and one touchdown. So big day for him and big day for the Wolfpack as they continue to try to, um, I guess now they're on the pace to right here, see if they can go represent the Atlantic in the ACC championship game. And they are three and one thus far. It just, the way the ACC sets up, though, I can see Wake Forest, not, I'm not going to say Wake Forest, but another Atlantic team coming and knocking out NC State. It just seems like this is too good to be true, but tough day for the Tigers right now. They definitely have to figure out what they're going to do moving forward if they want to be successful and get make it back to a dad we used to say, ACC, another Clemson championship. Now, after the game, the thing that became the big storyline, I guess you could say, was whenever the NC State fans stormed the field. The Clemson players were very much so still out there. Generally speaking, when fans stormed the field, the players, like, you know, they may be disappointed and they just kind of get to locker room kind of quickly. But it seems like the Clemson players were kind of out there a little bit longer. And so the NC State fans started kind of taunting the Clemson players. And then so we, I think everybody saw it on Twitter where EJ Williams was kind of getting bumped into by a lot of the fans and kind of they kind of kept pushing them on the back. And so it came out. We can't really see it, but there was a hesitation to make people believe that EJ actually spit on one of the NC State fans. Like I said, I cannot confirm that, but you could see from the videos, okay, I could see how that could have happened there. A couple lessons here. One, it's probably not best during COVID to be storming the field, but fans don't really care about that. But it's really like, yo, everybody just stay away from the opposing team players. I know you want to taunt them because we just beat y'all. Y'all supposed to be one of the top teams in the country, all the overrated chance and stuff like that. But you really don't know these guys like that. And so stay away from it. Now, clearly, if you listen to this podcast, I don't think you're out here pushing Clemson players after a loss. But it's just, I think that the, the easy solution to this is stay away from these players Go celebrate your players. Stay away from the opposing team ones because you really don't know how they're going to react. I'm sure Dabo and the company are going to do a full investigation on this and try to figure out exactly what happened. And I'm sure EJ will be punished, even for what it appeared to look like. I, I could see Dabo and them kind of taking action, just if nothing else, like a PR thing, like, yo, we got that handled. But the more of the story, stay away from the opposing team players. Now, I was about to tell a story, but I'm not going to say that. I don't think that's here for the camera. Well, I guess I kind of go ahead and tell it. I remember going to a college football game where something like this happened, but it was worse. One of the players actually like kind of punched one of the fans. It just so happened that it wasn't caught on camera because it was such a blowout. Nobody like kind of ESPN didn't have the cameras there because it was an expected blowout. So it was like, okay, after the game, you just go talk to the coaches. But there was also another Clemson player that did something that kind of, I'm not going to say he punched the, the NC State fan, but it definitely was a shove to the face. But like I said, the cameras just weren't on them at that particular time. So th this just goes to show you as well, you never know when those cameras are on you. Because when you're on the field, you're not thinking, oh, the fans see me. I mean, the cameras see me uh, doing whatever to an NC State fan. And then you're also thinking they keep taunting me. They keep pushing my jersey or pushing my shoulder pads and whatnot. So, but you never know who's watching. Staying in the SEC, we're going to go over to Auburn, Auburn, Alabama. Didn't really even think I was going to be mentioning this until I saw the results of the game. Auburn escaped Jordan-Hare Stadium, their home stadium, against Georgia State. It was not an easy ball game. They got the win with the final score of 34-24 over Georgia State. Um, shout out Sean Elliott because, I mean, he really got those guys going in order to be able to go to Alabama and compete against Auburn like this. It's crazy, too, because Bo Nix got benched in this game. He went 13 for 2,756 yards, but it just doesn't seem like he's been able to get the job done this year. And I keep saying this. It's, it's insane because his freshman year, he beat Alabama. 
like he was the guy and i'm sure in auburn he would i'm sure at auburn he was the guy they're like okay we got our guy for the next three years and on top of that tj finley who was starting when the starting quarterback after a couple guys got injured last season he became the quarterback at lsu he ended up beating south carolina and really put himself on the map and that was right when the matt sports house instagram page got in started so I remember like you know him being one of the very few first posts on the Twitter and the Instagram account but anyway and things didn't turn out for him well at the end of that last season so he decided to transfer to Auburn and I was like okay so it looks like he's gonna go sit behind Bo Nix and then whenever Bo Nix goes to the, the NFL he'll get his turn well he got his turn on Saturday and nine for 16 97 yards one touchdown so I mean not no crazy day but he was able to get them he was able to help them pull off the win there so, and just for references, Georgia State had to score 21 points in that second quarter, but Auburn was able to score 15 in the fourth to be able to get the win. And this ball game, once again, with the final score of 34-24. So, T.J. Finley, you basically left one SEC school, SEC West school to go to another one, and now you're the starter again. So, I guess, what do you do with that opportunity? That's major for him, I'm sure. And Auburn next week has to take a look at this schedule. Oh, wow. Okay, that's interesting. They have a bye. No, no, they play his former school, LSU, next week, 9 o'clock p.m. So they have the channel up yet on ESPN. So that is going to be something to watch. TJ Finley makes his homecoming, and he has to go to Death Valley and see what he can do with his LSU Tigers. So major news, major news in Auburn at Auburn. I keep wanting to say in Auburn, Alabama, but at a certain point, it's like, why do we keep saying Alabama? They're kind of a rivalry. I know Auburn is in Alabama, but it's kind of a weird thing. So it's crazy there, right there. That's college football for you, but really want to know what Bo Nix does next, because uh don't think he expected his junior year to go like this. We're not even going to spend too much time on this next, next SEC school, but I feel like I should mention them since they're the number two team in the country. The Georgia Bulldogs took on the Vanderbilt Commodore, so this game went about how you was expecting it to. 62 to nothing for, for the Georgia Bulldogs over the Commodores. Just to put it in perspective, and we're not like I said, we're not going to dwell on this too much. Georgia had 35 points in the first quarter. So <laughs> there you have it there. And you, you just look at the statistics of this game and you just see like all of the, they got a lot of players involved. A lot of players got into this game. Really good game for young players too, to get some experience. Cause as Georgia continues to go through this season, as they plan to hopefully make, should go play in the college football playoff, at least in the SEC championship game, you might need some experience. You never know in college football and football in general, they've been such, you know, dangerous sport who gets hurt when. And so if you get these young guys some experience now, by the time, if you really need them in a much later game of the season, they've at least seen the field a little bit and haven't just been getting scout team reps in practice. So big win for Georgia. But next, we're going to talk about these Arkansas Razorbacks. Okay, so full disclosure, whenever Arkansas hired Sam Pittman, I was like, why in God's name are you going to get an offensive line coach from Georgia to be your head coach, especially when they had just came in, Jay just came off hiring Chad Morris, who was the guy that recruited Deshaun Watson at Clemson and kind of brought that speedy offense that Clemson have that has had for the longest to Clemson. And so it's like, these are completely different changes, styles of programs. And as we know, these used to take time to develop. Like for you going to, Oh, not a fun and gun because Chad Morris used to like like to run the ball, but a lot more throwing the ball all the, all around the yard. 
back to like an offense and an offensive line coach for nine times out of ten is not gonna be like, okay, let's get in here, air it out. He's like a running, he's like a run the ball, you know, run the ball win a game kind of guy. And just for perspective, Chad Morris at his time at Arkansas went 18 and no, 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 went four and 18. Yeah, because it only lasted for two years. And so I was like, okay, this is gonna take forever. They're probably gonna end up hiring Sam Pittman, firing them, going finding their next guy. But Sam Pittman has been able to get the job done at Arkansas. When they beat Texas, I was like, okay, maybe Texas is, you know, doing what Texas does. Then whenever the Arkansas beat Texas A&M this past week, I was like, oh man, there's something going there. And they beat them with the final score of 20 to 10 to make their Aggies. That was the Aggies' first loss of the year, the Texas A&M Aggies' first loss. Arkansas remains undefeated. Um, Just to give you some stats, KJ Jefferson, I do have to get Chad Morris credit for him. KJ Jefferson was recruited by him. He was a talented quarterback. I remember seeing him recruit. I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting because, you know, Chad was definitely trying to get a dual threat quarterback. And he went seven for 15 for 212 yards. He really led the team, though, had also running the ball. He had eight carries for 50 yards. Um, Trelon Smith had 17 as a rusher, had 17 carries for 80. Traylon Smith, the running back for the Razorbacks, has 17 carries for 82 yards. And the receiver, Traylon Burks, had six catches for 167 yards. And one of Arkansas's best receivers from a year ago or two years ago is actually at Oklahoma now. So it's been great to see Traylon kind of emerge here and that the Razorbacks are going. Their defense gets to the ball. Every single time you watch their games, you notice that it's never usually one guy. And even if one guy makes a solo tackle, there's three guys coming to help clean it up in case something were to happen. And they, they just get heads to the football. And that's great to see for a team. And they just play, it seems to be like a very physical style. It's not like the fastest style of football, like on offense, but they get the job done. And that's kind of what's important here. So Arkansas keeps winning. You know, Jerry Jones is happy because that's the school he, had, he originally came from. Uh, and now we got, so this sets up for a big matchup this coming weekend. You got Arkansas at Georgia on ESPN at noon. It's a very early start time. A lot of Arkansas fans were not happy, or Georgia fans were not happy about that. They're thinking, yo, we should be on the seven at the seven o'clock slot, at the at the earliest, maybe that three thirty CBS slot. But that's definitely a prime time matchup. Two really good defenses going up in this game, so I definitely expect it to be a low scoring affair. But it's nice to see Arkansas making some noise in the SEC West. I expected this out of Ole Miss. Bama's going to do what Bama's going to do. And I just don't expect LSU to ever get back, at least in the next couple of years, to what they once were. So I wasn't expecting them. But if I would have told you before the season that Arkansas would be a team in the SEC West people need to look out for, you looked at me crazy. Ain't too crazy right now. I'm predicting, just to be clear, I'm predicting Georgia gets the win in that ball game against Arkansas and Sam that's crazy because now you also have Sam Pittman going to play against his former team but I just think it's great for the Razorbacks to to be into to be into the season and then not to be like okay Arkansas don't they always do every year it's like no they'll be ready to go for this ball game but once again Georgia's gonna take that win and I don't uh, the game I see tripping Georgia up I'm going to say this until that game actually comes to Florida. seems like Florida just always has the antidote to whatever Georgia's doing every season. And maybe not to win the game, but to at least keep it close. But we're going to stay in the SEC where we have another matchup. And this is going to be the actual, the 330 game. And I've been talking about this for the past couple of weeks. You got Matt Carell, the Heisman Trophy dark horse candidate at Alabama. 
this should be an absolute great one. This is going to be on CBS. There should be plenty of sport, uh, plenty of points being scored in this game. I expect Bryce Young because I mean Alabama. You want to know what their score for last week was? They beat Southern Miss as expected, sixty-three fourteen. Big day for the Alabama's receiver, Jamison Williams. I think he had two kickoff returns for a touchdown. And then, which is, we know that's crazy. And then he had the one catch for 81 yards and a touchdown. So that's funny. He averaged 81 yards per catch. And, but this is against Southern Miss. So this is about what you could expect. But I expect Bryce Young to have a big game in this one to maybe help his Heisman odds. But I'm really expecting to see what Lane Kiffin I'm expecting Lane Kiffin and Matt Carell to have something cooked up to, to be a major game for this week. And um, hopefully Ole Miss will be able to get this win. Now, this game is in Alabama. I will be rooting for Ole Miss, but uh, I don't know. Prediction-wise, I don't know. It is hard to bet against Bama. It is hard to bet against Bama. So I'm just going to be saying – I'm just going to say uh, to be determined. I think the receiver – there's the, the receiver that – if. Alabama can take out the game, gives them their best shot of kind of making it kind of easy for them. And his name is Dontario Drummond. He's the receiver that's Matt Carell's go-to. Now, the rest of those guys can't make plays, and Lane Kiffin will scheme up a great offensive um, matchup for, um, for the uh, Ole Miss Rebels. But if they can neutralize Dontario Drummond, I think they can kind of handle this game fairly easily. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Make sure you tune into that one. 3.30 CBS uh, Mississippi Ole Miss versus the Alabama Crimson Tide. Now we're going to go to the Big 12 here real quickly before we head to the NFL. The Oklahoma Sooners beat the West Virginia Mountaineers in a close matchup, 16-13. Uh, Oklahoma starting quarterback Spencer Rattler went 26-36 for 36 for 256 yards, one touchdown and one interception. This guy, he was a Heisman candidate heading into this season. I don't think, like, I don't think that's happening anymore. As a matter of fact, the, the Oklahoma fans were chant, were blowing them all the, off the field and saying they want Caleb Williams, who's their backup quarterback. This just goes to show you how tough it is to be a quarterback in major college football right now. Because it's like this brother has – now, granted, he hasn't had his best season. But nonetheless, Oklahoma is 4-0, top 10 team in the country right now. Everything they want is ahead of them. And the fans are like, mm, the interception, you're not doing it for us. We want the backup. Now, granted, the backup is like a five-star, four-star coming in. But it's like fans are not just satisfied with winning anymore. This is how we win. We need to win like we need to win like Oklahoma's supposed to. We need to dominate the whole entire Big 12. And so they asked Spencer after the game, they're like, how does this like, you know, what how does it feel when the fans are saying they want the, your backup quarterback in the game instead of you? He says they're not on the field. But that, that's got to affect you a little bit. I mean, shout out to him for staying even kill with it. But it just goes to show you the expectations that these major programs, bro, we, we don't need to just win. And I, and I kind of, I mean, I feel them. Like, I hear what y'all saying, but it's just also, also like, y'all, bro, y'all are undefeated right now. But I think what happens with these Oklahoma fans is they've seen too many seasons where they just barely keep escaping wins and then they end up losing either in a playoff or something like, or in the playoff or Maybe, you know, it's not even losing the Big 12 championship game. So just in the playoff, or they lose one game in the regular season, they should not lose. And so they're like, if we dominate every team like we're supposed to, we wouldn't even keep it close. I think Eric Thomas, you know, E.T., the hip-hop preacher, the motivational speaker, also says, don't compete, dominate. And it sounds like the Oklahoma Sooners have been listening to him. So, I mean, like I said, it's got to hurt. 
and I'm sure he might be a little bit hesitant to sign some fan apparel moving forward. Actually, not even really, because because the NIL, NIL agreement, you're getting paid for it now. So it's like, eh, forget y'all. Basically, I'm going to keep winning these games. I'm going to take this to the bank. And uh, when I go to the league, and I mentioned my high school instead of the Oklahoma Sooners, as far as which college I go to in the pregame warm-up, y'all know why. Now to the NFL, we're going to talk about some of these games a little bit more, and then at the end, we're just going to kind of list out some scores. But got to start off with the Chicago Bears versus the Cleveland Browns. I was really excited for this game, but it turns out, you know how it works with the, the local affiliates. We weren't getting it, so I had to, like, scrap through tooth and nail. But I eventually ended up picking up the game. The Chicago Bears lost. I was really rooting for my boy Justin Fields, but the Bears lost, final score 6-26. This just goes to show you how hard it is in the NFL. Justin Fields was an elite quarterback at the collegiate level. He went six for 20 for 68 yards. My goodness. Now, meanwhile, the guys that were pressuring him, oh, my gosh, Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, it was literally like if you escaped Miles, then Clowney's still going to hit you and vice versa. Miles Garrett had a career they were 4.5 sacks, which is – amazing now granted the bears don't have the best offensive line and if i'm justin i'm like yo we gotta have a meeting because this this ain't cutting it hold on i found this this stat i thought y'all would find kind of interesting or maybe not even a stat it's like a, a quick fact so the stat says that justin fields had an average time to throw a 0.78 seconds every time he went to drop back for a pass the nfl average in 2020 was 2.72 seconds baker mayfield had 3.2 seconds per per snap so whenever you hear that, it kind of helps you understand. It's like, yo, Justin really didn't even have a shot. By the time, because you have to think about it, after he gets the snap, he has to go through his progressions. He has to confirm whatever he saw pre-snap. And if you got 0.78 seconds to do that against NFL talented, against NFL talent as far as DBs, safeties, linebackers and stuff, you have no chance. I was just happy he made out the game alive. Like, that Cleveland pass rush, pass rush was lethal. And the Chicago Bears offensive line was not up to the challenge. So it, it definitely, like, if you ever, as a matter of fact, they used to do a series after the season and be like, what was your, well? and they ask players, what was your welcome to the NFL moment? I'm sure Justin's like this. I mean, now, granted, he took some big hits in preseason, but this is almost like an impossible task. And Way asked one of the quarterbacks, it might have been Jay Cutler. So, like, yo, so what is it like playing quarterback in the NFL? He's like, bro, do you know how hard it is to do this? And I think a lot of times, and as a matter of fact, the comments were like, yeah, it's hard, but it's manageable. But just think with no pass rush, like with, with no pass, which is hard enough to try to come, like I said, read the coverages, see what the DBs are doing, see what the linebackers are doing, and put the perfect pass out there imagine if you have 0.78 seconds and your Davion Clowney and Miles Garrett are at your head like so shout out my boy Justin Field for just making it through the game do have to give you the other side and Baker Mayfield went 19 for 31 for 246 yards and one touchdown Nick Chubb had a big day uh 22 carries for 84 yards but I really want to talk, and then let me go ahead and say this too, Odell Beckham Jr., it was good to see him back out there. Jarvis is hurt right now, Jarvis Landry. So Odell had five, and had five, five, five receptions for 77 yards. So he, averages, so he averaged 15 yards per catch, 15.4 to be specific. But that man, Kareem Hunt, like I remember he had the Chiefs and then they had the domestic dispute with the in the hallway and I kind of, you know, that kind of knocks you down. Sometimes that, that kind of ends players' careers, but he was able to kind of get his thing back going again. And he is a monster. 10 carries, 81 yards. 
out the back, and now as far as catching out the backfield, he has six receptions for 74 yards, and he just runs so hard. Like, he runs, seems like like he's running running to knock people over, and when he catches, he's running out, like, from the catch, and he's taking off running. It's like, you do not want to get in his way. So it's it's been crazy to watch him and Nick Chubb with this one-two punch is really working for the Browns between them and Baker. And if you really listen to that roster, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, um, you could go with the, the tight end 85, David Njoku and Jarvis Landry. It's like, yo, nobody should beat them, but the AFC is tough. But major shout out, because that was, a, I would say, a pretty complete game for the Browns. But man, I feel bad for my boy Jay Fields. I know he's like sitting in the ice, you know, you know, after the game sometimes or even the next couple of days, they'll get in the ice bath for like recovery and like just kind of look around like, yo, like this is insane. Like this is impossible. And uh, hopefully he can keep it going because from what I understand, Andy Dalton has a knee bruise and those can take a while to recover from. So let's see, actually, since we're talking about the Bears, who they play in the weeks coming, maybe they will play a team with not as solid of a pass rush. They got the Lions next week. So that should tone it down a little bit for them. But definitely a welcome to the NFL moment for uh, Jay Fields. Shout out Ohio State, the Buckeyes. Speaking of the Buckeyes, I do need to interrupt right here. I almost forgot about them because they played another, like, small team this week. So we're going to jump into college football just for a quick second. Ohio State got the win over Akron with the final score of 59-7. to Kyle McCord got the start because C.J. Stroud was getting rested up because he has a shoulder injury. And it's Akron, so they knew they had – they got, like, two or three five-star quarterbacks. So they decided to rest them up for this week. Kyle McCord, who, like I said last week, was, is, was Marvin Harrison's son – quarterback in high school he went 13 for 18 for 319 yards and two touchdowns jack miller the the guy who was competing with cj who was who came at the same time cj he's from arizona he went five for eight for 66 yards i expect him to transfer because he's not going to play cal mccord got there in the summer and was able to and whenever the starter went out, Kyle McCord was a second string guy. So I expect to see Jack Miller to go uh, transfer at the end of this season. Garrett Wilson had another big day at, at receiver, number five uh, for the Buckeyes. He had four catches for 124 yards. So he's averaging 31 yards a catch. That's insane. Jackson Smith and the Jigba had five catches for 93 yards. Chris, Chris Olave had, that can't be right. Huh. Chris Olave, I think, I think he had a rush for like 40 yards, I wanted to say, or something like that. It was a rush or a catch. But he's another. He's the other first-round receiver that will be coming out of Ohio State this season. I thought he should have came out last season, but he said yeah, there's still some things he wanted to work on, so you can't blame him for that. So Ohio State gets the win. Next up on the schedule, they play Rutgers, so that should be another win next week at 3.30. But don't if you if you're debating on watching Ohio State Rutgers game, don't do it. I just told you about Alabama, Ole Miss. Take your talents there, watch that game. It should be a good one. Now I'm back to the NFL talk. Now the Arizona Cardinals, which is, seems to be the team that I've been watching the most this year consistently, even though they're in that tough division in NFC West. They got the win with the final score of 31-19 over the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm gonna tell you what, Kyler Murray just seems comfortable. We went 28 for 34, 316 yards, and one interception. But I will say, Christian Kirk has really come along. Like, he is, like, he's, like, right there on that next step under, well, actually, depending on how you want to say it, with him and A.J. Green, because A.J. Green's kind of a legend in this thing. But Christian Kirk has seven catches for 104 yards, 
A.J. Green had five catches for 112 yards. We're also starting to see the emergence of Chase Edmonds as well. He's getting his catches, his touches. He had 11 rushes for 26 yards, which isn't all too great. But on the receiving end, he has seven catches for 49 yards. Uh, really exciting to watch the Cardinals. That's a great, that's, it's a fun team to watch because you never know who's going to strike. And I'll even give it to Tra- Trevor Lawrence. When you watch him, it's like, yeah, he's playing on a team with not as much talent around him. But some of the throws he makes, it's like, okay. Yeah, Trevor's definitely got some stuff to him. It's just going to take some time. And they're going to have to continue, continue to get some uh, talent, you know, and that will come as Urban Meyer continues and, you know, continue with his head coach and tenure and him and the GM and everybody's working together. But Trevor went 22 for 34, 219 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. It's just right now all of these rookie quarterbacks are kind of loading up on the interceptions, but it's just first-year experience. I'm going to keep saying it just about every week. Peyton Manning said expect that. So this has come to no surprise to, I'm sure, to the fans. Well, actually the fans are tripping about it, but the quarterbacks were already kind of prepared for it. It's just that first year is a lot of learning going on. But like I said, you can definitely watch these games and see like, okay, Trevor's getting it. Like it's coming to him. He's going to understand it. And you see why he was as uh, highly drafted and highly kind of touted as, as he was. Now to run through some more of these NFL scores, the Chargers stunned the Chiefs. Uh, final score 30 to 24. Justin Herbert is another guy. He, he makes some stuff happen out there in LA. The, I think, did I say that? I think I said it because I know sometimes I miss around and say the San Diego Chargers, but they are the Los Angeles Chargers. But for the stat line, Justin Herbert went 26 for 38 for 281 yards and four touchdowns. Mike Williams, shout out Clemson, one of the really Clemson easy star like him back there, and seven catches, 122 yards and two touchdowns. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, Patrick, well, on the other team, Patrick Mahomes, 27 for 44, 260, 260 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Clyde Edwards Hilaire has 17 carries, 100 yards, and Travis Kelce went for another 100 yard day with seven receptions for 104 yards. So, a little shocking right now to see that the Kansas City Chiefs are one and two, but you know how Kansas City does. They can always get it happening. It's kind of, they can always make it happen. It was like, I think it was two years ago whenever, was it the AFC Championship game when Deshaun Watson and company had them down? They had they were the the Texans were up like twenty seven, I want to say, and it's like yeah, just give it time. Kansas City will get it going. It's not if, it's when. So they're not freaking out there in Kansas City, but I do not think that anybody could have told them they'd be one and two heading into the season. And apparently, Josh Gordon is heading to Kansas City. Did not expect that coming. He's been reinstated off of the drug the policy in the league and whatnot. He's been reinstated. Seems like this happens uh, almost every year though with him. It's like he gets reinstated, then he then he kind of gets then he gets kind of released off the team or he gets put back in the drug protocol. So we don't know what's going to happen with that. It's kind of at this point though it's kind of like a, a routine to an extent, but wish him the best of luck and he will join Kansas City as if they need more talented receivers. The Panthers got to talk about the hometown Panthers. The Panthers won on Thursday night with the final score of 24 to nine. Sam Darnold, 23 for 34, 304 yards, 304 yards. It really seems like Jordan Palmer, who's his quarterback coach, is really right around, right about Sam Darnold. It's like, put him in a better situation and he'll be able to make things happen. And it was like the California boys been able to do just that. DJ Moore was the high receiver for the Panthers with the final score of, I mean, oh, not with the final score he had eight receptions for 126 yards and so he led the Panthers receiving core how about the Bengals getting the win over the Steelers 
did not expect that. Wow, Joe Burrow went 14 for 18 for 172 yards. How about Jamar Chase with the two touchdown catches? Jamar Chase has really changed the narrative around him. It seemed like in the preseason, everybody was worried about the drops and stuff. And I don't, and clearly I wasn't out there at Cincinnati to watch the practices, but it seems like he has had no problem catching the passes at all during the season. So I don't know what was going on in training camp or in preseason or what have you, but Jamar seems like he's back in. Now, granted, he's in, he is playing in the NFL, so it's a little different than when he was at LSU. But it seems like him and Joe Burrow's connection is just fine. And it seems like also that Ben Roethlisberger might be on his way out of Pittsburgh based off of what we've got. There's just been these clips going on with Twitter where it's like, Ben, what's going on here? It seems like you're getting a little bit older there. And not just getting older, but it looks like it's showing. So something to watch with Ben for Ben. A lot of people are hoping that uh, they might look at this and be like, okay, let's get Cam Newton in here. If not him, I like Dwayne Haskins as well. So either one is fine with me. I, I, I always say year the black quarterback, but every year is the year of the black quarterback. So at this point, it's the years of the black quarterback. So excited for the Pittsburgh future, but did not expect Cincinnati to go in there and beat them with the final score of 24 to 10. How about the Ravens getting the win over the Lions? And that doesn't seem like a big deal, being that the Ravens are now 2-1 and one, and the Lions are now 0-3, oh and, and it is the Detroit Lions. But the Ravens kicked the 66-yard field goal, which is at that point, like your field goal kicker is a weapon. Your kicker, just in general, is a weapon. If he can kick a 66-yard field goal, I think Lamar Jackson converted on like a fourth and 19 to set him up. Well, and then I think another play happened before then. But anyway, major shout out to him. Let's get this. Uh, definitely got a uh, shout out to kicker here. Justin Tucker. Yeah, is that Justin? Yeah, Justin Tucker for the Ravens. That's that's huge right there. 66 yards. Like at that point, it's like, all right, at the end of the year, it's like, take me to the bank. Who's going to pay me? Because everybody can't do that. And whenever you have, whenever you can supply a demand that everybody else cannot do, then therefore you, you're winning at this point. Going to the West Coast where you have the the L.A. Rams beating the Buccaneers at the final score of 34-24. It's so crazy to watch Matthew Stafford out of Detroit and with a team that really has some guys out there. Uh, you know, he's got the Deshaun Jackson, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. And it's nice to see Deshaun Jackson, too, like back in, you know, rare form. He had his long touchdown. You know, he's a burner out there. And Cooper Cup with nine receptions for 96 yards and two touchdowns. And for Deshaun Jackson's full stat line, you have three receptions for 120 yards and the touchdowns. And it's just nice to see. It's almost like Matthew Stafford has been freed and he went against Tom Brady and he was able to pull out, help his team pull out a win. Once again, final score 34-24. And for Tom Brady, who threw the ball 55 times, he went 41 for 55 for 432 yards and one touchdown. So for the 40-plus-year-old quarterback to throw the ball 55 times in the ball game, still shows you he got it. Their leading receiver was Mike Evans, who had eight catches for 106 yards. But like I said, it's just great to see Matthew Stafford. It seems like he's been liberated. out, And he's, he's got a team of guys who are, who are ready to win, just like he is, really talented guys and in a good organization. And I'm sure there's no better way for him to, like, kind of at this stage in his career, it's like, yo, we're in championship mode. We're not just – kind of stagnant in Detroit like he was because like you we knew he was a pretty good quarterback but you really just didn't know how great of a quarterback he was in Detroit just because it was like a they're not really on TV unless you're watching them lose on Thanksgiving and b they just weren't really competitive and last but not least the NFL we have to talk about the uh what is this, this Green Bay game the Green Bay versus the Green Bay Packers versus the San Francisco 49ers 
it's crazy because in this game, Jimmy G throws the touchdown. There's 37 seconds left on the clock, and it's like, okay, we won. But this is why it's so tough to face these legendary quarterbacks because Aaron Rodgers is on that other side. And he's like, oh, you left me 37 seconds? Too much time. Aaron Rodgers is so cool. He's just chilling. It's like, it's, it's not like, like you would not think there was as much pressure in this situation as he kind of moves in it. 37 seconds, he leads his team down the field. He makes these off, there's off, not really, I'm not gonna call him off platform, but the, his throwing motion, the way he's doing this, this is not normal stuff. This, this is very like unique. Only a couple players in the league history can make these kind of throws. He just does them with ease. And then he sets them up for... And then he sets them up to go take the league and win the game. And so they win. The, the Packers win the game with the final score of 30 to 28. Aaron Rodgers goes 23 for 33 for 261 yards and two touchdowns. Also, definitely do have to, Devontae, got to give Devontae Adams his credit. 12 catches, 132 yards, and one touchdown. And they, they get the job done. Aaron Rodgers and company get the job done. So after that initial game where they, was, they looked horrible against the Saints, they've been able to piece it together ever since then. And uh, they're two and one. So are the 49ers at this point. Was really nice to see Trey Lance get his first touchdown of his career. Many more where that comes from. And so that is all I have for you all for the NFL portion. And lastly, just got to give you a quick high, uh, high school football kind of check in the AC kind of following AC floor throughout the season and see if they were able to go through another undefeated season. They did be chaping with the final score of 50 to 28 after only scoring like three points against Camden, I want to say like last week. So big win for AC floor as they continue to go. Their hashtag is take flight 21. So make sure to look up the hashtag on Twitter it's kind of cool to follow this Midlands team. And AC4 has generally been a pretty good program, but it seems like they're trying to create their own form, their own dynasty over there near Forest Drive. So we will definitely continue to follow them throughout the season. If you're a listener and you want to talk about or just kind of want to give me the scores or just tell me which is the high school that you went to or tweet me or you can DM me on the Instagram account. Uh, whether Which high school you went to, which high school we follow, we can make sure we get those scores up each week. But thanks for listening, guys. It's been another great episode. Next week's episode is going to be amazing. I, like I said, I got an ideas of a couple of guests I'm thinking about bringing on to help me break down what's happening. Because like I said, it's a big weekend. I, I already listed y'all the games, but I'm, I'm ready for that Alabama Ole Miss game. Ole Miss can do it because Chad Kelly, remember, Chad Kelly beat Alabama twice at Ole Miss. So, uh, and if there's going to be a guy to do it as, as a coach, it's going to be Lane Kiffin. And there's going to be a quarterback to do it. It's going to be uh, Matt Corral. So very excited for that. Thanks for listening. And we'll see y'all next week. Peace.